The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about eight miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 10 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. As we've been studying, there are many things that we need to mortify or murder about our lives. The first of these that we looked at was fornication. Today we conclude looking at the list, which includes uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness. And interestingly enough, the Apostle Paul calls covetousness idolatry. What is idolatry? Idolatry is anything that gets between you and God. It doesn't have to be a wooden idol. Too often we have idols in our lives. Join us today as we look at the ways in which we should murder or put to death these members of our bodies, particularly covetousness, which is idolatry. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit. To thy pastures
things you've seen that you just cannot unsee. When you feel your, when you look upon uh, lustful images and, and things that you ought not look upon with your eyes, it goes into your mind. You know, we've said this so many times here. You've heard other preachers say it. The battle that we understand as primitive Baptists, that the battle we have is not for the heart of the child of God. God won that battle when he gave him a new heart. But it's for the mind. That's what he says in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. He said to present our bodies a living sacrifice. And then he says, be not transformed, by the, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's why Bible study is so important. That's why we need to stay in the Word, because it will help us to renew our minds, as opposed to looking at the things that pop up on Facebook. You know, I'm as guilty as anybody else. Now, I'm not talking about illicit images. I'm just talking about the stupid stuff that comes up there. Those, you know, how many dumb videos do we see, you know? I think TikTok is the Antichrist. I really do. It's got where that all that all people do is spend time on that TikTok and they're looking at these crazy things, which I mean I get tickled at some of them too, but but think about all the time some people spend on their phones scrolling through Facebook or Instagram or or fake book as uh, brother Ronald Lawrence calls it. And and they and they they could be spending that time renewing their minds in the word of God. Listen, I'm guilty too. I'm guilty too of some of these things. Sometimes I'll, when I'm off on, you know, one of my trips campaigning and, and I'll just sit down and check out mentally and just kind of look through Facebook and see what everybody's doing, you know? And honestly, it's stuff that if you walked up and told me about it, I'd say, why are you telling me this? <laughs> you know, uh, I ate here, I did this. Now, Brother Glendon sends me pictures of where he eats, but he's just rubbing it in that he's eating somewhere nice that I'm not, right? <laughs> but, but you see, it's the renewing of our minds. And, and this idea here is that the, the, the affections of the minds, the fleshly desires will lead us away. And we have to flee those things. Which kind of leads us to the next point here. Notice evil concupiscence. And like I said, that, that word concupiscence is just an older term that we don't use much anymore. But in this case, it's talking about a, a longing or a craving or an illicit desire. And specifically, it's talking about a desire or a longing for that which is forbidden. Sometimes in the scripture, it's trans translated as lust. Okay? Remember, I said something about <clears throat> going back to Galatians 5. Go back and read that chapter sometimes. It talks about the things that, are, that we should not have, the things that are of the flesh as opposed to the fruits of the Spirit. In Galatians 5, 16, he says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's that concupiscence. That's that word that's translated concupiscence here. He goes on down in verse 24, says, They that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts, using that same word there. So what is it that we're to do? How is it that we're to deal with this? 2 Timothy 2 and 22 says to flee. Let's just turn there. Over as, as the old preacher is writing to the young preacher. Under the inspiration of God, of course. 2 Timothy chapter 2. And verse 22. Let's go back to, uh, let's go back to verse 19. Let's catch the context here. And verse 19 is a favorite of primitive Baptist preachers. Myself included. Because it establishes without a doubt 
that the foundation that we're to build upon is not what we know or what we've done, but what God knows and what He's done. But that's not all there is to that verse. Sometimes we neglect the last part. But look at what it says. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are His. Praise God for the eternal sovereign grace of God that will save, that will and has saved His people from their sins. Praise God. Praise God. But it doesn't stop there. Okay, you who believe in grace, there's a second part to this. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. I go back to what I said earlier. What he's saying here is simply this. If you are a child of God, you ought to act like it. You know, Daddy used to tell me, son, act like you're somebody. <laughs> you need to act like you're somebody, not just anybody. You need to act like you're a child of the king. You know, let him that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. And he says, but in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and of earth, some to honor, some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. He's saying in your life, you've got some good things and you've got some bad things. The bad things are based upon the flesh. The good things are based upon the spirit. You need to purge yourself of those bad things. And here he starts talking about some of them. Verse 22, flee also youthful lusts. Now I recognize that the lusts of the flesh are stronger when you're younger. I understand that. That there are many lusts of the flesh that overtake young men and women that aren't quite as strong and urgent as they are as you get older. But sometimes we forget the fact that we don't grow out of being a sinner. We don't grow out of the Adam nature. You see, I believe David was in his 50s when he committed that great sin with Bathsheba. You'd think by that time he'd know better. You'd think by that time the lust of the flesh might have diminished somewhat, but not for David. And I'm telling you, child of God, we know people that are much older than that that have been, been uh, lured away into fornication and other sins like we're talking about here. So we need to always be fleeing those. He says, flee youthful lust. Those are youthful lust, but they can afflict you when you're older. So here Paul tells Timothy the same thing I've been telling you, that you can't just quit something. You've got to fill, fill that empty place up. Flee youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Now I'd like to go on preaching from this passage because I like verse 23. It says, but foolish and unlearned questions avoid knowing that they do gender strife. Now that really is good preaching to preachers, Brother Mackey. How many, how many problems have we seen, even among churches, that came from preachers fussing over foolish and unlearned questions? <laughs> don't, don't get into, don't, listen, we need to agree on the fundamentals. But you know, you've heard Brother Buddy preaching on the book of Revelation for the past several months. And he'll say almost every time he gets in the stand, now, what I'm about to tell you is I believe correct. It's the way I see it. But there may be some other preachers that disagree with the details. But I promise you, what I'm going to preach to you will not contradict fundamental doctrine. You see, the fundamental doctrine, we've we got to agree on that. But there's some other things that don't really make a whole lot of difference. You know, some people do business meetings one way. We do it a certain way. 
we don't fuss about the way the other churches do it, and they shouldn't fuss about the way we do it, you see. There's some things that just don't matter. But I'm not going to go there because I'd get lost in that rabbit trail and would never come back. Evil concupiscence. Look with me over to uh, Titus, which is the very next, uh, chap- next book. In Titus chapter 2 and verse 12, here again Paul is writing to a young preacher. Verse 11, just to get the context, he says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. There's two ways you can look at that. Either way I think is okay. One is it's appeared to all men who are in the covenant of grace. But there's a sense in which the grace of God has appeared to all men without exception. Because we read over in the Psalms and other places, I think in the book of Romans, that day unto day utter speech. When the sun rises, that's proof there's a God. When, the, when God gives you another day of life, that's grace that even the reprobate ought to recognize, although he can't. Because he is uh, dead in trespasses and in sins. But notice it says, The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts. We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Those worldly lusts there is that evil concupiscence that we're talking about. It's that illicit desire. It's that craving. It's that longing for that which is forbidden. It's that giving in to temptation. He says here is what the grace of God teaches us. By the way, I I know I say it all the time, but you can't get away from the grace of God. You can't get away from it. Even in preaching practical living, it's there. See, all our practical living is based upon the grace of God. See, if you don't understand the grace of God, you're not going to be inspired to live as righteously as you otherwise would. Because if you think me and God got this thing done, then maybe I can do a few things on my own out here. But if God did it all then we need to be serving him in in all of our lives, you see. Teaching us, this grace teaches us that we should be denying ungodliness and worldly lust, and we should live, here again, fill it up, take it away, empty it out, but fill it up with something. We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. By the way, you want to know one of the main reasons we ought to do that? Look at verse 13. Looking for that blessed hope. And the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And he goes on to tell us the best news of all. Who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. He goes on to tell Titus, that's what you're to speak, that's what you're to preach. You're to rebuke people with this. You're to preach it whether they like you or not. You see, that's what evil concupiscence is. We're to deny it. We're to, we're, to, we're to deny that worldly lust, and we should live soberly. All right, now, as we hasten along, because our time's about gone, here's a big one, one of the biggest of all, back in Colossians chapter 3. Covetousness. Covetousness. Now, what is covetousness? Well, basically, it's just a greedy desire to have more. It's, it's, it's a lack of contentment with what you have. And it's an illicit and wrong desire 
to have more and more and more. And I want you to notice what God says about this through Paul. He says not just that covetousness is bad, but that covetousness is the equivalent of something that's even worse. He says covetousness, we're to mortify covetousness, which is idolatry. It is idolatry. Notice, covetousness is idolatry. What is idolatry? Idolatry is anything that you put between you and God. You say, preacher, I don't have wooden idols. I don't sacrifice chickens to some voodoo god. Some people do, but we don't do that generally around here. Do you sacrifice God's, your time with God for something else? Do you sacrifice your time with God for recreation? Do you sacrifice your focus upon the Lord for that which immediately edifies or satisfies your fleshly desires? You know, I've heard people say this many times. I can worship the Lord just as well out there fishing or in a tree stand. I heard Brother Ronald Lawrence uh, talking about that recently. He said, never heard anybody singing Amazing Grace sitting up in a tree stand. <laughs> Scare the deer off, right? <laughs> Nobody's doing that, are they? But my point is this. I understand that we can worship God wherever we, wherever we are, and we ought to. We ought to be worshiping Him daily, wherever we go. But listen, child of God, if there's something that gets in between you and God and prevents you from serving, see, how do you know you love God? How, does, how do we prove that we love Him, so to speak? It's by keeping His commandments. That's what Jesus said, isn't it? He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. That's what my daddy used to say. Don't tell me you love me. Show me. Obey me. Do what I tell you. And, and then I'll know you love me. You can say it all day long. Like the young, you know, the, 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 uh, the son and the parable over there that Jesus used. He said, the father said, sons, y'all go out into the field and work. And one of them said, I'm going. I'll be there. And then he didn't go. The other one said, I'm not going. But he repented and went. <laughs> now, which one did the will of the father? Which one showed the love of the father more than the other one? It's the one that even though he said the wrong things, he eventually did the right things. You can talk a good game. But child of God, we need to show that we are his children. And that means there are things that we need to do. First of all, we need to murder these members, mortify these members. We're going to see later, we're going to need to put off some things like anger and malice and wrath and filthy communications from our mouths. Man, that's a big one. That's one that's struggled, that I've struggled with all of my life. We need to let the peace of God reign within our hearts. We need to do some things that show forth that we love God. We don't just say it, we show it, you see. Now, covetousness is idolatry. Now, think about this. You know, covetousness is one of the big ten, right? <laughs> Turn back over to Exodus chapter 20. It's actually the last one. Paul says covetousness is the one that got him. He could keep outwardly the first nine. When, we said, thou, when it said thou shalt not covet, that got him every time, you know. I haven't, you know, I haven't stolen Anything from anybody that I know of. I haven't gone out there to somebody's house and said, boy, I like that car. I'm going to take it. I haven't physically done that. But, man, I'll tell you, I've stolen it many times in my mind. Many times I've seen something, boy, I'd like to have that. <laughs> now, I, it's nothing wrong with desiring things in this life, wanting to buy a new car, wanting to buy a piece of land, wanting to buy something nice. That's okay. 
But the idea of lusting after that, coveting that, is the problem. So what does it mean, okay? What does it mean? Well, look with me over quickly to Hebrews chapter 13 for a minute. We're going to grab a verse there right quick. Verse 5. Hebrews 13, 5. Let your conversation be without covetousness. And conversation there doesn't just mean you're speaking. That means your way of life. And be content with such things as you have. Okay? The problem with covetousness is, is that you're not content with the things you have. Again, we're not talking about the idea of, you know, capitalism is bad because capitalism says that we try to get, you know, we want to work hard to be able to buy things. That's not what we're talking about. But the things we're talking about here is the idea that, that you're not content even when you can't get those things that you want. You know, you ought to be content. We ought to be content with the things we have. It's okay to buy something else out there, but it's not okay to cheat somebody else out of it. It's not okay to go deep in debt to get something that you uh, really don't need, but that you just really want. And here's why. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. <laughs> I like that. See, there's, he never gives us a commandment to do something without telling us the foundation of why we ought to do it. We don't have to covet because we've got God. And I didn't get that promotion, but I got God. You know, I, I, didn't, I didn't win that game, I, but I got God. I didn't, um, I didn't get that raise, but I have God. I, I didn't get to go on that trip, but I have God. You see, there's nothing that we ought to be discontent about because we have God. I am his, we're told, and he is mine. If you're a child of God, you've got all that you, never, that you ever need. You have all that you ever need. In Philippians chapter 4, it's a very uh, one that we need to remember for sure. Philippians chapter 4, just a couple of pages back, in verse 11, Paul says, For I have learned, I'm getting in the middle of that verse there, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therein to be content. And he goes on to describe it. He said, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. He's content wherever he is. And, he, and the reason for that is verse 13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. You see, what is covetousness? Covetousness at its root is just a lack of contentment. It's a lack of contentment, and it leads you to constantly see your fulfillment in the things of this world and to be striving for those things. The prodigal son is the poster child for covetousness and idolatry. His idol was the party of this, out in the world. His idol was the party that he saw. He wanted to spend his money out there living it up. But, you know, it could be something else in your life. It might not be the parties of the world. It might be work. That's been a struggle in my life. It might be your recreation, your you know, fishing, hunting. It might even be family. It might be something that in its, at its root is a good thing, but you put it between you and God. As I said, idolatry is anything you put before God. And, and by the way, it also means anything that keeps you from doing what God says that we ought to do. So, let's sort of wrap this up. Mortify, remember, mortify means to put to death or to murder something. 
Elsewhere, and you look back, I think we've already quoted it in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 24. We're told, they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and, in, and the lusts. And that's in the context of what it means to show fruits of the Spirit or to display the works of the flesh. And notice what it said there. And, I, you know, you, you're probably sitting there thinking like I am as I read this. Preacher, you've just given us a very tall order here. You're, you're really coming down hard on some of these things that, that are out there constantly afflicting us in the world. You know, my flesh is still afflicting me after 55 years. I don't know how long I've been born again. I can't point you to the day, but I can tell you it was at an early age because I've been believing and trusting in the Lord since as long as I can remember. But I'll tell you this, the flesh hadn't gotten any better. It's always there. But notice what he said here. If you're Christ, you've crucified the flesh. Crucifixion, beloved, is a slow, painful death. It's a slow, painful death. It's not just a one-time thing. It takes a long time and continues. It takes continual effort, continual effort to crucify the flesh. We, got, we kind of quoted it earlier, but I want to close with a that passage of scripture found in Romans chapter 12. This might kind of sum up this part of our messages on mortification pretty well. Romans chapter 12 and verse one. I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God. <laughs> you just can't get away from the grace of God. Isn't that amazing? Here I am preaching on practicality and it keeps coming up. This is the foundation, the mercy of God. I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. Now we know immediately that this is not talking about presenting our bodies to God as some sort of sacrifice to get us to heaven. First of all, he's already called those that he's writing to brethren. They're already children of God. There's not enough sacrifices you can make with your body or any other body that would ever get you to heaven. But what we can do because of the perfect sacrifice of Christ, now there are things we ought to do in our daily service to him to present our bodies a living sacrifice. And if, he, if, he did, if we couldn't do it, he wouldn't have told us to. And he goes on to say, by the way, which is your reasonable service. You say, preacher, this is unreasonable for you to expect me to deny the lust of the flesh. But he says here it's your reasonable service. Why is it your reasonable service? Because Christ served you in ways that you could never imagine. He served you in a way that he perfectly put away all of your sins, saved you completely from the condemnation of an eternal hell. And it's just reasonable that in our short lifespans here we serve him, isn't it? Isn't it just reasonable that we do these things he tells us to do? And be not conformed to this world. Oh, how easy it is to be conformed to this world. How easy it is to end up looking just like the world. But don't do that, he says. But be ye transformed. That is, look different than you used to. Act different than you used to. Live differently than others in the world. Not to be self-righteous, but to show forth the righteousness of Christ that's in you. How do you do that? By the renewing of your mind. See what we've been talking about? Renewing our minds. Stop some things, empty out some things, but fill that empty place up 
with the word of God that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You will never have more clarity into the will of God for your life than when you're trying to live right and serve him in the way he says, when you're staying in the kingdom of God, in the church of God, and attending and listening and trying to grow in grace and keeping your nose to the grindstone in the word of God. People struggle. I've struggled. We all struggle. I can't find the will of God for my life. Well, look in the right place. Look in the right place. Look in the word. Look in the church. Look in the kingdom. You will never have more clarity in the will of God for your life. I'm trying to decide whether to take this job, whether to move here, whether to marry this person. You will never have more clarity into those things than when you stay in the word of God and you stay in his kingdom, fellowshipping with the children of God and feeling the fruits and effects of the spirit of God in your life. Mortify your members. Murder those things that we've talked about. And fill up your life so that you, with the things of God so that you can dwell peaceably in the kingdom of God and press into it daily. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.